chicks did long ball. What's going on, <laughs> Wombats? This is episode three of Unspoken Rules. The three homies coming from the East Bay, NorCal, California. This is Alan. This is Jerry on the peninsula, Jerome in Oakland. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's his intro every time. And Angela, the uh, Oakland native. The anti-gentrifier. Um, so it's been a minute. Haven't seen the homies in a couple weeks, actually. So it's nice to kind of reconnect. Uh, everybody's getting into holiday mode, getting ready to move to a different place well i'm moving to mexico soon just putting that out there no it's not um but that's the summer no but people are going to be traveling seeing families so this is a nice time to just kind of reconnect um and although we do want to talk about sports a lot on this top on this podcast we decided that there's a tons of things to talk about regarding holidays and travel so we're just going to do one quick sports check-in uh just to get it out of the way and then we're not going to talk about sports as much as we usually would so I know you fellas have a few things you want to talk about. My first thing real quick is the A's. We talked about last week that they were going to get a new stadium potentially. And one of uh, my good friends who's a diehard A's fan, and we have this little chat group, sent me an article today about how um, a San Francisco sports writer literally goes point by point by point and breaks down why the A's are not going to do it. Um, and basically he proves why... We've been lied to and deceived once again as A's fans. It's a constant thing. We're always promised glory and then it gets yanked from under us. Um, So it looks like the A's stadium most likely financially and in realistic sort of terms will not happen, which fucking sucks, but I'm not surprised. Speaking of uh, glory being promised, being yanked from them, Tyson Fury uh, (laughs) promised Wilder some glory, but then he yanked it right from under his feet. With 9.5 seconds um, to go. I want to bring that up because I think this signals the possible return of a golden era for boxing. Uh, the only thing that could affect this, I'll talk about a little bit later. But I thought that was a great fight. Um, I remember at the end of it, I was just chanting, I love boxing. I love boxing. He was also yeah, drunk out of his mind. That's but, very yeah. true. Buying us all drinks, thank you. But on the same <laughs> token, hey, it was a great fight. Tyson Fury showed that he was a great boxer. Wilder showed that he had massive power and probably hits the hardest out of every single heavyweight that's active right now. And it just made me happy to be a boxing fan and to like boxing at that moment. Dude, that guy, uh, Fury, like, he has, he's hella fat. Like, I don't really watch boxing. He's just, like, jiggling around the whole... He's hella yeah. cocky, too. He's, like, yeah. doing little dances, sticking he, his tongue out. He's a fat, big guy who's fast. He's annoying. I want to see him get he's knocked out. He's like the out. Shaquille O'Neal fast, fat guy. He's puts, technically he sound, which is what, like when you put a technically sound boxer against a guy who's just known for like a one trick pony, like it, yeah. it makes for. I mean, like Fury dominated the fight. I think most people can agree with that. I was a Wilder fan going in, and I still think Wilder should have won. I think the count was a little slow, but you know, that's just me. Um, and my, I guess my uh, quick sports tidbit uh, is just about the Warriors. We talked about it last time about the strife between KD and Draymond. And that's kind of come to an end since that we're heading into the holiday season. It's been a few weeks since that's been a big topic of discussion. Uh, but still, the Warriors have been struggling. They got blown up by the Raptors at home mm-hmm. uh, without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi. They were no like, Kawhi. scored like 80 or 90 points or 80, something, right? I think like 84 or something yeah. like that. But, but, and there's always been this, and consistently throughout the year, uh, the season, there's been this uproar about like, oh my God, should we be panicking right now? Like, we don't look like the old Warriors. Mm-hmm. But if you ask, like, you know, the I hate to use the term real fans because that's very divisive to say real. You know what I mean? And we talked about it last time in terms of being a fan. You could be a old school fan knowing the history. You could be a new fan who just might be a bandwagon person but admits that, hey, I'm a new, newly discovered Warrior mm-hmm. fan. 
But for those old heads like Alan and I, like if you're a Warrior fan from the old days and old ages, you should be used to losing. Like, yep. <laughs> like having the, we had one of the lowest attendance rates of the entire NBA for a very long time. Winning 20 games for us during like the Larry Hughes years, the, the Larry Hughes years, <laughs> the the Eric Musselmans and the yeah. Dave Dave Cohens and the uh, you know Mike Montgomery years. Like winning 20 games was like an accomplishment. So my big thing is Warrior fans now uh, enjoy what you have because we're 21 and 10 as of today, I believe. And uh, losing happens in all sports. Uh, if you've been with the Warriors long enough, losing is not a big deal because we are used to it. Thank you, Christmas Grinch. Holiday Grinch over here. <laughs> okay, we get it. You're a fan. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so there's a, plenty of things we want to get to. Um, Andrew had mentioned that he, he was had sort of like an aha moment after we did our podcast a couple weeks ago. So he wanted to just talk about something that... Um, developed after the podcast that he wanted to kind of build on and talking about like fanship and what it means to be from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So after uh, we, I will, Jerome sent us the uh, the podcast we did last time. I, I listened to it and I just had an aha moment uh, just on the drive. I was listening to it and um, it, it brought me back to the idea of, of just paying homage because I think we talked a lot in the first two podcasts about. Um, what it means to be uh, uh, someone who's not from around here, how you fit in, or how do you, uh, how how can you be accepted, or what it means to be a real fan in terms of being a fan of the Warriors. And I thought about this in terms of music, in a sense. And in a way, for me, tying music back to, to the Bay Area as a whole was, was a big thing because I thought about all the local artists that, that we've had come out of Oakland, or at least the Bay Area, that's been really big in terms of like... Uh, uh, moving the movement forward in terms of Bay Area music, and that's mm -hmm. of course naturally uh, E40, Too Short, Mistafab, yeah. Mac Dre, yeah. right? Um, and there's the new artist coming out now, right? Uh, and the one that came to mind for me was G Easy, yeah. right? Like, oh, like, and and for me, G Easy, he claims Oakland a lot in his music, right? Mm -hmm. He's actually from Berkeley. He yeah. ha he has the roots in Oakland. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like he spent he part of summer, here, right. something like that, right? But he spent like his high school years in Berkeley. He went to Berkeley High School, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, but he's also white. If you live under a rock, right? Jesus, and, and a that alone, yeah, and that <laughs> alone is like a taboo for the hip hop industry, right? Being a white rapper. Um, but at the same time, like if you think about what he does, he he reps Oakland quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So how how is that accepted, right? When you're not really truly from Oakland, mm -hmm. you didn't really struggle the same way as the other rappers did who were born and raised in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Why do you get away with that, right? And I always go back to the same fact is like every time he gets a chance to do an interview and he's asked about his his history and where he came from, it, when he raps in his, in his songs, he pays mm -hmm. homage, right? Mm -hmm. he, he pays respects and gives due to those who have paved the way yeah. for him to have this platform to do what he's doing right now. Wait, so are you, are you saying you're a fan of him or not? I can't really tell Okay, right so I, I'm not a fan of his music, but I respect mm -hmm. the fact that he's willing okay. to yeah, yeah. Pay, pay homage and respect. Yeah, okay. to, you know okay. what I mean? So that's a different story, right? Like, are yeah, you yeah. a fan of his me, music? He took me down one route. And my bad, my bad. Pushed it up on no, my bad. So little, like, so little James Harden shift yeah. there. No, my, my bad. Like, I, by Two no step. means am I saying... <laughs> his music is, is, is fine. Like, he gets radio play. It's it's He has some hits that, you know, are popular for mainstream, right? Myself, I, I listen to G-Eazy occasionally, but it's not something I put on. Sam, I've I mean, tried. I love Barry. Yeah. This is a whole topic I could go on yeah. for a minute, but Drum, it sounds like you... Did you want to ask something or say something? I thought he was going down the route of like, oh, G-Eazy shouldn't be talking about No, this. no, not at all. Like I was going to bring up, again, I'm not from Oakland. I'm not from the Bay Area, but 
I do know that when Tupac says he's going to rep a city, it's going to be Oakland. And he's yeah. not from Oakland at all. He's from New York. He's from New York. Yeah. Where he where he had a big rivalry against Biggie Smalls. But I was going to say, it's kind of like the same idea, that he's not from here, but he's repping mm. it. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay for Tupac to do it. And I think you you went down one route and switched it up on me. Mm. Well, I, I talk, we've talked about this numerous times. It's like, you can move wherever you want to move. Mm-hmm. You can go where you want to go. No one, stop, no one can stop you from doing that, right? Change happens, like you said last time. But part of it is like paying respects to the community and the history that's been there before you, right? So for G-Eazy, he's from the area, right? Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he pays homage still, mm-hmm. still to this day to, he oh, yeah. calls like E-40's uncle, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, like he, he talks about Mr. Farrell on. All the Vallejo rappers, yeah. they're like openers for his shows. Mr. Fab, like Too Short, he still shouts out, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like yeah. Max Ray, so like, even Drake. Well, the current guys. Yeah, even if you think about Drake mm-hmm. being a, a Canadian rapper who's the most mainstream artist that we probably all know of, mm-hmm. when he, he's talked about Oakland in his, in his uh, oh, yeah, right? The, the Bay. Like yeah. he talked about Duel for Max Ray in the Bay, so he still references mm-hmm. the history that's been here that, that gives him the ability to rep Oakland, right? Yeah, yeah. And to your point, Tupac, yeah, that's another point, right? Tupac was born, if I'm not mistaken, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Went to Smalls, high school in Baltimore and yeah. then moved to Marin, lived in, which is in the Bay. And went to like Tam, uh, Tamil Pius High School or something yeah, like that. It's like there. one of the nicest areas in the Bay, yeah. But <laughs> ironically. Like, yeah, so, and, and like you said, Tupac said, if there's any city that he would ever rep, it's Oakland. Because if I'm not mistaken, he said Oakland taught him the game. Mm-hmm. Taught him to hustle, yeah. right? So he learned how to hustle and, and he learned the game of how to how to connect with a community that's struggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, my big thing is always, even with music and big artists, whether it's Drake, whether it's G-Eazy, mm-hmm. whether it's Tupac, you could be from here like G-Eazy, or you could be not from here like Tupac and, and Drake, but you still pay homage and respect yeah, yeah. to those uh, people that have been For here sure. before you. I, I got what you're saying. I got a few comments real quick. I'm a huge hip-hop fan, especially growing up in the Bay. It's like back of my hand type of shit, but... There's a, a really well-known hip-hop saying. It's called, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Mm-hmm. Basically means, like, you can come from wherever, but as long as you embrace and try to authentically embrace and learn and root yourself in where you are at, that you can, like, get respect in that community. And I feel like, that's so that's one thing, right? It's not like, like, you're genuinely trying to connect with the community, their history. Kind of like what Andrew was saying, like, knowing the, the roots and paying homage <laughs> like, yeah. whatever the yeah. fuck however you said we're paying respects yeah. to, the, to the past this is unspoken rules not unspoken letters <laughs> yeah i know that would be next podcast um but the other thing real quick was with tupac specifically like if you are an mc or lyricist rapper or whatever that's it's you're trying to contribute to the growth of a place you're not just trying to take from it and i think that's what i differentiate between somebody that's real versus fake is like if you're trying to profit and gain notoriety in whatever way by like claiming something like, oh, I live in Oakland now and I have the Oaklandish hat, but you're not really paying your dues and you're not like really trying to like talk to the people and get to know the music and like really trying to get to the granular level and you're not giving back, you're not contributing, you're just taking. To me, that's where I draw the line where it's like, and Tupac and even Jeezy, like they're not doing that, you know, like they're giving back while they're borrowing too. Mm. I, our first intent of this portion of our intro was just to keep it brief, but to Alan's point, I hate to kind of like, uh, you know, ring on with this, with this same kind of topic that we've talked about the first two podcasts. It's, it's the idea of, I I think a lot of my qualms personally, I'm not gonna speak for every Oakland native is the fact that there's a lot of people out there right now who find Oakland as a place to to be and they claim Oakland, right? 
But when those native to Oakland claim Oakland, they claim the struggle and the history, right? There's a lot of struggle that we've kind of gone through to get to this point. Um, and I think more so than, than, than ever right now, like we're a social media based like, like a society, mm -hmm. right? Where everything is based upon uh, popularity and what's mm -hmm. hot and what's yeah, not, yeah, right? Yeah. Oakland's hot, mm -hmm. right? Let's not, let's, not, let's not get it yeah. twisted, right? But part of it for me, it's always been when you claim Oakland, are you actually claiming the struggle? What are you actually claiming? Or the image. Or the image. Which is very surface level. And, and, and I think part of it is like the portrayal of Oakland in the past has been Oakland is known for what? Violence, crime, poverty. Right? Mm -hmm. What's hip right now in terms of like Hollywood and mainstream? It's, it's coming from nothing to something, right? It's those struggle stories. Mm -hmm. it's, those, it's those from um, coming from, coming from the, the, the dirt to become someone who's super uh, successful, right? Like it's the struggle, like right? Right. That's like the American narrative, though. I feel right. like like that's been around for a while, like but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's very American, but like bootstrap and you make yourself. Yeah. But that's what we were, and that now we're not, right? So, mm -hmm. But but the, those who come into Oakland, like you say, we buy the Oaklandish yeah. shirts and wear the hats. It's like for those who are native to Oakland, it, it's hard for us to see the similarities between you and me, right? If you're not from here, mm -hmm. and you're claiming Oakland because I'm claiming Oakland because I went through the struggles of the city. I saw the struggles of the school district and mm -hmm. that the one that is still struggling from right now. Mm -hmm. They're talking about closing 25 some odd schools in the next several years, public schools, right? Yeah. So I still see the struggles. We're one of the most economically developed mm -hmm. cities in the country, right? We're like the third highest rents in the entire country, aren't we, right? It's like somewhere top five, yeah. Like top five is like, like Boston, SF, New York, obviously. Yeah, 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 whatever, right? So we're in the top five. But yet our school district still suffers. Mm -hmm. How does that make sense? Because right. people aren't giving back. <laughs> right. Again, that's what we're talking people about. People are right? just taking and taking, so, but they're so, not. So for me, it, it, it's it, when I'm claiming Oakland, it's it's the fact that I've been through the struggle myself. My family's been through the struggle. I've seen it myself firsthand, working with kids in Oakland, and then to see someone come in and just lay claim to Oakland mm -hmm. without yeah. understanding the history, yeah, yeah. without understanding the history, of course, of course. or giving back to the community, and yeah. then claiming Oakland. It's like, why the fuck are you here then? And that's my question, because I am one of those people that did come here without a history and wanted to be part of it. And yeah, I do own Oaklandish hat. I do own Oaklandish shirts. I own a lot of Oaklandish shirts, and I claim Oakland. <laughs> uh, and, but yeah, I'm not from here. And I do my best to try to say, like, I'm going to give back to the community, but it doesn't, I don't know if it feels right. Well, can, I'll, can I interject real quick, dude? Sure. Because I know, so Jerome hangs out with us, like, it's like, we're, we're like three brothers, basically. Yeah. And to me, that's that makes a difference because I know a lot of people that move here, and you can tell this. they yeah. they live in a bubble and that they don't hang out. With, they're like, "Oh, I moved here from um, Ohio, and my friend that I met in my tech company is from Florida, and my other friend is from fucking Tallahassee, Tennessee, or whatever." And you can tell that they move and they exist in a bubble. Like you can tell them, spot them away from a block down when there's a group of like these seven white kids that are. You know, clearly just like taking and taking and, and moving in here and not contributing. But I feel like you personally, Jerome, like you kick it with us and you go to our spots and you know our families. And yeah. to me, like you got to pay that respect in a way. And I think that's like an unspoken rule about it is that how does one who's an outsider then try to become an insider without it being forced? And it's, it's, I think it's a difficult line mm -hmm. to walk. Yeah, yeah. And it's not something that there's a definitive list you can have. Like, this right. is the stuff you have to do to be a real Oakland. It, it's, I think we talked about it the first time. Like, you talked about how you, you, you feel like you're trying really hard. But I think trying hard and not mm -hmm. trying 
are two different sides of the spectrum. The fact of the matter is you're trying. And for those who are from the community and from the Bay Area, like Alan and myself, like we appreciate that effort. Mm-hmm. Versus someone who's not trying and just yeah. taking advantage of everything yeah, that yeah. has it's occurred still in the, the city. Gear. <laughs> yeah. And, and we can take away all the layers of what we've been talking about in terms of like um, fandom and uh, being from Oakland and, and gentrification and all that kind of stuff. Take off all layers, right? Imagine, mm-hmm. uh, what's a good example? Like baking a cake, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you've never baked a cake before, right? And you're baking a cake um, and you fail numerous times. You've never done it before. You fail numerous times. You get all the ingredients you need to, to make sure that, that that you can try to make this, the, 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 this dessert that you've always wanted, right? And let's put like the the failures as this, the the struggle of Oakland, right? The mm-hmm. poverty, the crime, the violence, the school system being in this dysfunction, right? So you have all the ingredients. You're trying to fix it, right? You're trying to make this cake and make it well. Mm-hmm. You fail a few times. You try it again. You fail a few times. But after years and years and years of struggling with the recipe, you finally figured out, hey, I think we got something here. It's crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ruined my moment. Yeah. No, um, but long story short, like you finally baked that cake. Yeah. Right. You went through all the struggle. You, you, you paid your dues. You got all the ingredients, and you finally got the cake made the way you wanted it to be made. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you don't get a chance to eat your cake. Yeah. Not everyone I, that comes in, I, like I, I you, you, they you, take you, the pieces. Well, yeah. Like you're hosting a party, and everyone yeah, takes yeah, the yeah, pieces. For sure. For sure. And no one realizes that hey, the person yeah. that did all the work, yeah. didn't get any of it. That's a good analogy. They didn't get a single piece. For sure. Now, now here's the thing, in the same analogy, if Jerome's the person eating the cake, right, and he realizes and recognizes, hey, like, oh my God, like, you know, like, Alan made the cake, he didn't get a chance to eat it. Like, oh my God, he had, there's nothing left, but like, hey, man, like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't get a chance to get the cake, let me find a way to pay you back or like help out, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let me wash the dishes, let me do mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, right? Versus the person you. who ate yeah, the yeah. cake. And just walks out. And, and walks out and says, I, leaves, I, leaves their dish to be Doesn't give a up. fuck how the cake got there. I get you. I just get just you. realize that, hey, there's a cake here. Fuck it. I, I get to enjoy it. Fuck it. Yeah, right, right, right. right. I think there's, um, my background isn't hip hop. It's punk rock and skateboarding. And there's a lot of like similarities. <laughs> like with punk rock, there's like the idea of you being a sellout and like just doing it for the money. Yeah, that's what kind of People like work. going into your music if you're a punk rock artist and people start liking your music. Um, did, were you really a punk rock uh, fan? Are you just in here just to eat the cake? So to yeah, speak? yeah. And skateboarding too. It's like, are you really just carrying that skateboard just because you want to have like show that you eat this piece of cake? But you don't really skateboard. You haven't really like put in the blood, sweat, and tears of trying to learn how to ride a skateboard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eat shit in the asphalt. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't think it's like isolated to hip hop or or whatnot or music in general too. It, this is this is a real thing of like. That's true. Showing respect towards something yeah, that yeah. people care about and is its own entity. Just pay homage. That's all. Yeah. Pay homage. Do 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 your homework. So pay respect. I'm just gonna keep doing uh, hip hop phrases on that, folks. Hey, Amen. So there's another one that's real, recognize real, and that's like a barrier thing too. Where and I think that's kind of what we're getting at. Like if you put in the effort and you're being genuine, it'll be received genuinely, and that's kind of the bottom line. Um, so at the the end of the day, with all the changes that we're constantly talking about on this podcast because we see them on a daily basis all around us um there's a lot of things that have evolved very aggressively very quickly and you literally see a changing landscape in front of your eyes one of the things that have kind of popped up or emerged through this gentrification process and transplants and all this change around us is the fucking scooters so if you don't know if you don't if you don't live in a city that like is super high tech and all these people are moving in and have all these crazy gadgets 
Um, scooters are really popular right now. I'm pretty electric sure electric scooters. Electric scooters, and I'm I'm not pretty your, sure not your old school razors. No, no, sir. Although those shout out to those. Okay. Um, I'm no. pretty sure they got unveiled like in the Bay Area where where these companies came in illegally right? too, it, mind you, without the rights. I didn't um, know that, yeah. but basically they're these scooters that you download an app on your phone, you put your license, and then you can pay and drive these things everywhere. And I know Jerome had mentioned that he had a few comments on those, and like. I guess on the topic extended of fanship, are you a fan of these electric scooters or not, and why? No. Yes. Oh. Whoa. Here's why. Because he's a tech boy. There's no, 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 say no, you're no, a tech no, boy. No, 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 no. We're done. Okay, here's why. All right. So, being my skateboarding background, hate all scooters, right? Screw razor scooters. Those kids always snake me at the skate park. Uh, they suck. <laughs> Damn. Anybody who has to ride something with handles, you suck. But even bikes, even bikes, <laughs> bikes are fine. They have handles <laughs> sometimes, but if you have to stand up and look like a stupid ass, you ride a motorcycle. I don't stand up on my motorcycle. Anyways, you're taking a lot of time I'm for my point, which is gonna crush your points and all other points you have. Um, so I was looking at these birds, and yes, they did come in here illegally. Uh, they didn't talk to Cedar or anything, yep. but I think that's kind of part of the the spirit of progress, is to. Present an idea that no one really knows they want. You fuck, Did you vote for Trump, bro? Are you, like, are you what are you talking American? about? <laughs> and I think here, here's what I see on the scooters. I see kids a lot on these scooters who yeah. are coming home from school. Recklessly driving in the wrong lanes. They might be. They could be also be recklessly Littering the, the scooters on like randoms. Like, also like recklessly be riding a skateboard. But hey, this thing is presenting some sort of form of But they of take it home with it. They don't leave it on the, right, on the sidewalk like literally. Ultimately, I think what's happening now is yes... The entry of it was terrible because it was legal and all of a sudden one day you woke up and there's these, these scooters scattered everywhere. everywhere. I mean, you made the joke of, uh, I mean, you saw that situation of like an older gentleman with oh, a yeah. scooter in a shopping yeah, cart yeah. So, thinking so, that someone had ditched it. So so, let, so I get the story was I was driving uh, out in the East Bay somewhere and I saw this older gentleman with a Safeway cart or, you know, one of the shopping carts and uh, he had a like one of the, so. Was he the, homeless? I, I don't know, but there are two. There's two brands of scooters, electric scooters, in the Bay Area. There's a bird one lime. and a lime one. Bay. Right? San Francisco is yeah. more, but so he had a he had a lime scooter in the shopping cart, like pushing it, like Jesus. he was going home, like he thought that that was someone leaving a, a come up, a, oh, yeah, like a come up, like someone just left their scooter on my on my street, so I'm gonna take it home. So I, I find that kind of hilarious. Here's here's the main reason why I think bird and the scooters and lime whatevers are are fine. Because it takes someone off of the road, ultimately. Because this is someone who's going to take an Uber to go less than a mile Within somewhere. a certain radius. And they, yes, they get annoying because they're on the streets. They're just scattered everywhere. They're not that hard to move, to be honest. It's, a, it's, a, it's an evil I'm willing to put up with to take a, a motherfucker off the road. Okay. I, I, I agree with you partially. I think they could work, but there just has to be certain restrictions. that have. It's basically like, so I ride my bike to work every day. And I, I'm, I'm not one to like really follow rules. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not the type of person that like puts my arm out when I'm turning. Like I just, I, yeah, I got like one headphone in. I don't wear my helmet and my wife hates that. But basically what I'm saying is I'm not like a by the, by the rules, you know, type of guy. But even then there's one rule that really fucking pisses me off when I'm riding in my bike lane, moving with traffic, these kids that are on these scooters and people that don't have a sense of riding on the road. Usually they, they go on the wrong side. And they come in my direction. 
and I have to swerve, not swerve, but I have to like look and make sure that I can go into the street because they don't understand like the rules of the road. It's basically like if you gave a fucking 13 year old kid a driver's license and you're like, okay, go have fun and drive. That's my only thing. There has to be a training course where it's like, you, there's a, there's XYZ you cannot do because it's There were no dangerous. limitations when they dropped us off. There were no limitations. This sounds a lot like what I would hear when I was skateboarding. Oh, what are these skateboarders doing? Breaking the law? Doing no, 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 no. Like, I'm not saying, I don't care if they break the law, but like, that's a hell of a big hazard if there's a designated I, lane. It's like if, if a car was going the opposite lane, like, that's just the basic rule. You don't drive into the traffic. I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's the fault of the scooter companies and having scooters You don't themselves. think there could be, like, a basic training course no you have to pass? No one's going to training courses. That, no but but that, that eliminates people that are lazy enough, and then they can't ride them. Ultimately, I think what's going to happen is you need to get law enforcement on this. And I agree. I agree. My- hey, the city could make a little bit of money. Because I agree. That's what I would be happy with that. Anymore, right? I would be happy so with that. So I think that. Once, once that... Once that point reaches that breaking mm-hmm. point where it's like oh my god yeah hey this is a real it's like problem. a little bit of a, da- a hazard ultimately know? i think maybe something tragic needs to happen where they're like oh man these birds are, are dangerous maybe but start why should it ever get to that point though yeah like, like why should it take okay? a tragedy to for something to be changed because <laughs> this is government this is business this is how things run where it's like, that's what makes it wrong <laughs> my my uh my perspective on this is like i just don't like what they represent right as far as me being from this area like because who rides them too who right? rides them like yeah, what's yeah. the demographic you're targeting you're not targeting everyone in oakland you're targeting a certain specific population which is why you place them in certain areas right mm-hmm. they haven't made their way to west oakland like deep west oakland they haven't made their way to deep east oakland right like they're centralized in a very yeah. specific area the right? lake and downtown and that that's what business is like you're saying right like you're targeting a certain population of people who will financially buy into what you're selling Right, and that's a very selective group. I think you're, that, you're oversimplifying. It's a very that. selective group. To how, that uh, that position is more about where they position these scooters are more about where are people traveling at small increments because these scooters can't go that far. So if I need to go yeah. from one part of East Oakland, DB East Oakland, to another part, it's probably going to be a little bit more than what these but, scooters. But, but who's to say that someone from Deep East Oakland doesn't want to go down like half a mile to like someone else's house? That's true. Right? That's true, but like, because that's what a lot of this is, right? It's like going from like a grocery store back home, right? Like that's what you're doing. So who's? I understand that East Oakland, West Oakland, deep deep areas of it. There's no like it's a food desert, right? So you're not really going grocery shopping. But who's to say this kid's not trying to go from his mom's house to his friend's house mm-hmm. a mile down the street? But also, if you did do that, is this kid financially able to afford this? So which, just... which ties back into my point, like what demographic are you That's what I'm saying. You're, you're oversimplifying it just by saying it's about the cost. It's not just about the cost. It's also about other things. I'm not saying that doesn't factor. They market it in a very cheap way, though. Right? A it dollar is, per ride, right? A dollar per ride. Yeah. Can I just say I teach high school students in downtown Oakland, and they've told me that there's a way to hack it, and they, they know how to – my kids know how to ride them for free. So there's a way around that. Of course – the, the, the street kids that yeah. figured that shit so, out right so, away. So my, Sorry guys, we got him. We got him. <laughs> my, my qualms are strictly this. Like, it, it's what it represents as, as you know, the, the, the shift in Oakland as a whole, but also, who are you marketing these scooters to? And it's not, it's not to the entire population of, of those who are living in the city. It's the specific population of people who have the financial means to ride them. Who live in a certain area, which is maybe deemed safer to ride these things, right? So that ties into a whole different story about socioeconomic status in yeah, certain areas. I agree. Yeah, so that's my issue. Respect 
I, my thing is just show respect. And so because I, I already said this, but because I ride my bike every day, I'm, I, I'm very vigilant about the road and I get to see a lot of people on these fucking scooters every morning, every afternoon. And my, my best example is, um, maybe a few weeks ago I was riding my bike and there was a guy in front of me riding a scooter. You could tell transplant tech worker probably had a good job, had both of his headphones in, was kind of swerving. Like you could tell he thought he was the shit, like bobbing his head to his music. I can tell right away because I have to as a bike rider, like alert, watch out for this asshole because he's driving recklessly and he thinks he's a shit. Not surprisingly, I kept my distance. And at one point he turned without looking and a fucking car almost hit his dumb ass. And he jumped off the scooter and the car had to slam on the brakes and honk at this fucking idiot. And the, of course, it's a white guy. And he, he was obviously clearly very entitled. And he was he threw up his hands and he was like cussing at the driver. But because I had been following that dumbass for like half a mile, I knew automatically that he was, he didn't know the fucking rules of the road. And you can't, you can't drive that, you can't operate things on the road like that and not expect consequences. And he's not the only person, basically what I'm saying is, I've seen that so many times from people on scooters and all I'm asking is, there has to be some, like, you don't get keys to a car without passing a test. So why should you get keys, not keys, but like, why should you get access to something with an engine on the road that can go pretty fucking fast without yeah. any form of entry or I training or I agree. that's my only thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I'm on the road every day in a way that I have to be highly vigilant. Um, otherwise I might not notice little things like that. Or you can um, get a autonomous. My last point of that <laughs> is that those guys who like that kid you talked about, who cut off that car. Yeah. There's going to be a kid who actually does get hit. Mm-hmm. does get hurt mm-hmm. and they're going to tell the story yeah i agree and eventually there's going to be there's going to be a culling and there's going to be a a story numerous stories about people not wanting to ride these anymore because but why it's dangerous. should it take that if alan as an a, natural as a, as a selection cat, dude that's what it is <laughs> okay darwin okay darwin is like, what is this <laughs> anyways so Let's say let's say we want to get somewhere for the holidays since it is the holiday season. Taking my third scooter there. I decide to take a, a scooter, um, and where wherever you end up going, one of the other things. These are kind of random holiday topics or just sort of local topics that we're getting at here. Uh, but we did want to address sort of the idea of um, being a fan of. We talked about scooters. Another thing you fellas want to talk about is Christmas trees. Yeah. And if whether you're a fan, so say you take you hop on your nice scooter which you're untrained for and it's highly dangerous and you show up at your friend's holiday party. And it's only catered to a certain population of people. (laughs) In a certain neighborhood. Yeah. Um, And your friend has a Christmas tree. Real or, would you want it to be real or fake? Let's say it's a real one. Do you like that? Not? What's going on there? Okay, so I'll I'll start because uh, Because you're a fake ass motherfucker. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Uh, I, I, and the reason why this topic came up was because uh, Jerome and I had a discussion about, uh, not a discussion, like, we were, just, we were just hanging out one day, and he told me how, uh, the next day, we are talking about what we're doing tomorrow, the next day we were hanging out, and he talked about how he was going, uh, Christmas tree shopping, and I've shopping. never gone Christmas tree shopping in my life. Shopping? Okay. Um, so I didn't really know, kind of like, the price points of what Christmas trees were, and he kind of told me what his ballpark was, I was like, you were willing to spend that kind of money on a tree that you're going to have for- Pause. A couple, one week, maybe two weeks tops, and then you're gonna throw it out. Like that seems like a huge waste, right? And then I did the math over my head. Like if you were to buy a real tree for the next fifty years, that's quite a bit of money, right? 
again, it, it's that's very arbitrary because per year you're spending that kind of kind of money on a tree. It's not a big deal, but if you spread it across fifty years, mm-hmm. that could be a big sum of money. But more so than anything else, like I'm used to it because my parents have always been very frugal uh, growing up. So we had a fake tree, and every year we just go to the uh, it's a garage and pull out the, the fake tree and just put in all like the, the, the limbs and that's and all you had day. no childhood I, just kidding yeah I stopped celebrating Christmas like when I was like in middle school so yeah um, when Andrew's one he found out Santa wasn't real <laughs> <laughs> no, so like it, it's, it's two problem right it, it, it ties into my family where like spending money on unnecessary things right like I don't think a tree is a necessity in my life um, but secondly because like, I'm so used to seeing a fake tree and my parents were so used to just, just putting it up for so many years when I was a kid mm-hmm. like I just feel like that was the right way to go so okay. that's why so I, what, I believe one vote for you'd rather your homie that you show up on your scooter at the holiday party wearing your ugly Christmas sweater that it's a fake tree in the house yep <laughs> okay <laughs> alright fair bet Rome so, what do you got my side is uh, obviously keeping it real real recognize real and I want a real tree real don't recognize tech <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the same situation. My parents have always had fake trees. And I think this is what kind of motivated me to want the real tree. Um, Nothing wrong with the fake tree. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's something a little bit different about celebrating a holiday like Christmas, which I I really enjoy. It's about having, you know, being happy, enjoying good times, this warmth that you have in your heart. And that warmth in itself. Exactly. What heart? You guys heard that. That's that's okay. We'll get him after Soul that. Soulless bastard. We'll get him heart, heartlessapp.com or something like that. But anyways, there's invaluable and immeasurable things about these holidays and celebrating these things that are more about emotionally driven things. And I think Christmas is one of those and having a real tree is one of those where you can have mm-hmm. a special tree. That one you picked out, that's the one for us. We got that. I picked this that plastic one, one out, man. That plastic one looks like all the hundreds and thousands of ones that they There's sell. different brands of plastic fabricated. ones, though, man. <laughs> it's all the There's same different brands of plastic ones. Like There's like a like Disney one where you literally just pull that shit up oh, and it's self-folding. Fire. And it's yeah, already it's decorated. Easy, easy access. With, it's well, literally a Disney advertisement. Here's another, here's another benefit. Here's another benefit. So Andrew got on me about this last year. My my tree last year because our tree last year was it wasn't small. It was it's six small, right? foot. Yeah. It was incredibly oh. tall. It was like that. your fingers. Yeah, it was as tall as Jimmy Butler. We'll get to that a little bit. Maybe we won't. Probably not. But it was six foot tall and it cost us about a, a G buck, a hundred bucks, hundred dollars. I was like a G. You a G. Fuck. Yeah, rip the fuck off. <laughs> it was made of gold. Uh, no. I was like, made of it took gold. us a hundred dollars, and I, it was a lot more than I had anticipated. But hey, it was it was worth it to me. It was the holidays. Let's spend a little bit of money. Well, this year, let me finish. 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 This year, we got a smaller tree, a more dainty tree. I love this tree. It's got a lot of personality. A lot of things that you can't say with a fake tree. Housewife over here. Fake trees know, right? are the same every fucking year. Yeah. Yeah. That's like getting someone a gift I and it's the I same every fucking yeah, yeah. year. Soulless False. Okay. You know I love I love socks False. now that I'm older. And if you got me socks every fucking year, the same socks, yeah. not even different socks, but the same socks, I'd be, I'd be like, what the fuck? Nope. Pause. Can you change it up one time? Pause. One time for the one time. One Pause. time. Pause. You know, he, the issue I have is like that $100 you spent on that tree could have gone to gifts to like your, your wife or your friends or myself, me, me. This I was going to say, right? Andrew's thinking about other flashy. people. I didn't give, uh, now I know where the money went, right? Went to a tree. A really expensive one. Hey, I would have got you a gift, but, but you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't have hit your heart. But, but. Because <laughs> you don't have one. At the same time, 
you're talking about how, you know, a tree, it changes every year, but like, when you put a tree up, right, you only put it up for a couple weeks, so like, when you bring it back out, you don't really remember what it was a year, like, like 360 days before when you had it out, right? So it's not, it, yes, you're, yeah, you're right, like, when it comes back out, it's the same tree, but like, you don't remember that's the same tree. It's a brand new tree because you didn't have it the entire year. Look, I guess you saw the same tree the entire like three hundred sixty-five days. I didn't that think we talked about trees no, this long. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> and let's go with your sock analogy, right? Like, if you bought some socks, those socks, if I wear them enough, they're gonna be terrible within three months. If you bought the same socks, like, yo, I love your socks. Thanks for buying me another pair. Appreciate it, fam. I get where you're coming <laughs> from, and you're talking about value, and I'm telling you okay, that what yeah, I'm yeah. talking about is invaluable. Yeah, these are things like soul. you can't measure. Yeah, yeah. yeah soul. Yeah, I know what you're about. Like, what is this soul? What is this love? What is this warmth? This is not something that you can put money on. Yeah, you, that's like okay. That again, it's subjective because like if there's a family out there who can only afford a plastic tree for mm -hmm. twenty bucks, right? The soul of this is like the family came out and said, "Hey, you know, hey, babe, hey, kids, we can't afford a real tree. We're sorry, but mom, dad, we really want you to have a tree." We're, pick one out from Walmart. Right? That's the soul. That's the soul of that. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I understand where you're coming from. Right. So, there, there is a value to some stuff, and you got to measure it in that way. You have to measure it in that way. But look, I'm in the situation where I've been balling. <laughs> not balling, but I've been, I've been lucky enough, and trust me, a lot of luck has come to my way, and I've been charmed enough to be able <laughs> to buy that one billion dollar water that we don't know about. <laughs> to be able to buy a hundred dollar tree. To be able to be married to a Chinese woman who she herself says thinks like a Chinese person because she's penny pinching all the time. <laughs> and she says, hey, nothing over 50 bucks for our gifts. God. You know how hard it is to buy something $50 for your wife? That's, I'm sorry. That's like what what world you live in? That's a high medium ceiling. Like, like, what, what, what world do you live in? $10 is like, well, I'm yeah. trying to shower her. I'm trying to bring her a shot. Just Please. write her a letter. <laughs> write her a series of letters and don't uh, give her any money. And that's more ooh, than... Oh, no. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Because she, she's coming from the, coming from the, uh, here's, the author, the Here's poet. another one of my points. All right? This is like... A fake tree is kind of like a card that you buy at Target. It's pre-made. It's pre-packaged. <laughs> it's pre-manufactured. Wait, a car from Target? A card. Oh, okay. I was like, uh, okay. Like a holiday card. Yeah, yeah. This is less effort. Everybody can get that card. There's I, multiple I, I people that have that card. The ones that Faye has always valued the most for me. Are you making all the cards? The cards that I make, the real ones. Boys use yeah. the construction paper, authenticity, Crayola crayons. Yeah. The ones that cost more than <laughs> the actual glue. card that I could buy. Because those cards are like oh, yeah. two dollars, man. I have to spend my time and spend some crafts and some ideas and some mental weight on coming up with a card, and she loves those cards. You that ain't making the tree though. That That's, tree that you bought. He's chopping it down, that bro. Is, that, that, yeah. First of all, you ain't Chopped making you ain't, you ain't making that tree. I decorated that tree. That tree that you bought. There's probably another like dozen of them that look almost the same. Bro, I'm gonna look you in the I'm eye and say right now, that is the only tree that looks like that in any household in America. That's like right. the guy that says uh, all, snowflakes all look the same. I'm gonna jump in here and just say it's got. I hear both of your arguments. Me personally, just being somebody that definitely values like authenticity and just like originality and, and just giving a different vibe it, i can't i'm on Jerome's side but also just in, in a world that's increasingly synthetic and fleeting and just kind of unreal literally people are just fucking living on their phones and through technology and digital media and all that shit it's kind of refreshing to go to a tree farm and like kind of walk around smell the trees and i mean town, i'm man. i'm kind of a hippie so like to me things have energy and it's like this one tree feels different and has a different character than this other tree that's fucking whether it's dinky or giant or like the branches are off a little bit at a different angle 
But I'm also just a fucking weirdo, so I probably, you know, like, I look at things and be like, oh, like, how does this one give a different feeling than this right. one that's fucking dry? And, like, um, also, I should say that I literally have, we, we're doing this podcast from my home this time, not Jerome's, um, down the street, and we have a, a live tree behind us. Thank look you for it. sacrificing yourself, tree. Look at that. Look at that. Look at um, that. And then that tree is going to go where? Into the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. So that's the other thing. In terms of environment, and like, I'm, I'm not even looking from the financial standpoint. I'm just looking from like what you bring into your home and sort of what feeling that creates. Um, so I guess real trees take the cake there. Take the cake. Um, to so take the cake. Huh, funny, guys. Unfortunately, we bought this tree just to kind of like have it and give some spirit, but we're actually going to London in a few days and we'll be in Paris after that. So the sad little tree is going to just shrivel up and dry up and die on its own, being lonely <laughs> and miserable while we're off overseas. Um, so on that, on that topic, we're uh, going to shift to holiday season. A lot of people tend to travel on holidays. Um, and Jerome actually recently came back from a, uh, a travel trip to the Philippines uh, Alan, like you said, is uh, has a trip plan in the coming days to go to London. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, so I think our next segue is going to be into the idea of traveling, and I guess we'll start with Jerome because yeah. Jerome has been the, the most recent one that's traveled to a, a far distant place. How was your experiences out in the uh, the, the motherland? Be- before homeland? before you answer, dude, just real quick, just because it's our unspoken thing. Uh, this is like kind of the focus Jerome had brought up when he came back from the Philippines, how there was a lot of things he observed and just talking about like the, uh, what are the unspoken rules of traveling in general, things you should do or shouldn't do, or like, you know, things that aren't addressed. Um, so just kind of keeping that in context while you're thinking about what was the Philippines like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know if this has been mentioned, but I am not a black guy. I am, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, uh, um, really? Traveling to the Philippines was kind of eye-opening because I did grow up there. I, I wasn't well off in the Philippines. My favorite toy was a bicycle tire and a stick. And a stick. I remember, yeah, remember that first podcast? That bastard. <laughs> Talk about and, and one of the interesting challenge. things about traveling to, uh, we went to Palawan, which by the way, if you're going to travel to the Philippines, Palawan is amazing. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, a lot of the things that the businesses that people own there, and it, it's, it's uh, developing a lot. But the businesses that are owned there don't seem to be owned by Filipinos themselves. And that kind of bothered me because getting to Palawan required us driving six hours through uh, uh, the Philippines. And you would still see the same situation that I grew up in, which is these kids playing with bicycle tires. Um, no, like, no real roads, no, no real you know, development. And you're seeing people who aren't from the Philippines, who aren't Filipinos, profiting off of what is the natural beauty of the philippines and, our, and my motherland can i just ask real quick dude if, um they, do they live there or are they tourists the ones you're talking about the ones who, uh, who are profiting uh probably some of them might live there but okay. ultimately like these places are not places that are owned by the filipinos okay owned okay. by people who might be in europe or just heard like, about this area okay, like, okay, yeah, okay this is a great development area you can make a lot got of money. it so they like buy a property and just kind of use it yeah. to profit. okay no no i don't think that's and going back a little bit to the whole fandom thing i don't think that's a wrong thing mm-hmm. because i did we did stay in multiple areas multiple uh, hotels and whatnot and some hotels you could tell and just speaking to the workers there who were filipino um, you could tell they weren't they weren't enjoying their time there. They weren't happy to be working there. And some of the places, man, they were having a great time. They love being part of this 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 uh this company. And I think that speaks to what we said earlier about 
hey, you don't have to be from the Philippines. You don't have to be Filipino to own land in the Philippines and make a profit off the Philippines, but at least show some respect. Mm -hmm. And you could tell which one of these places, whether they're Americans or they're Spanish owners or Europeans or whatnot, you could tell just by how their workers were responding and how they walked around and tried to be a part of this business, uh, whether or not the people who they worked for really cared about the Philippines or were just using them just to, mm -hmm. just to make money. Yeah. Humans suck. Humans yeah. are greedy, bro. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll come back to, were, were there any like rules? I know you, you had mentioned when you were on the plane that like travel etiquette, basically. What's some travel etiquette for Here's you? Here's one thing that really bugs me about traveling. Uh, first, when you get to the airport, um, I'm one of those that likes to get there two hours early. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something that comes from my parents. Uh, they've always wanted to be there early. Yeah. And that's cool with me because, hey, now that I'm older and 21 and above, I can just go to the bar and get a drink. You're 21 bucks. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can get drink? a beverage. I can, I can hang out. And I don't need to go in a hurry. For sure. Um, another interesting thing I saw is that um, even though there, weren't des there were designated seats, People were lining up as fast as they could. And I don't, I don't understand why people were doing it's, that. I, so I figured it out. Uh, Brian, just for the record, Brian and I travel a shitload. We try to go to like four to six different cities, most of them international per year because we're both teachers, so we get hella time off. But I figured it out is when you get on the plane first, you can like basically claim a storage over your seat. And there's greedy-ass people that'll take their place and maybe like the place across the aisle. And if you're, if you're like later onto the plane, even if it's designated seating, yeah. sometimes you can't put your, like your carry on yeah. overhead and you have to go like seven hours back because some asshole families had like 20 bags and they took up all the space. Or they'll ask you to put it underneath the plane. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, just, you know, greedy people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I said, humans suck. They're greedy. Self-serving. I, I jumped a little <laughs> bit ahead too. And, um, I want to go back to actually going, going through TSA and security mm -hmm. Uh, my wife decided that she wanted to be cool and look cool to go to the airport. And so she wore her uh, Vans Old Schools. And I don't know if you've ever worn Which Vans Old Schools. she's entitled to do. She's <laughs> entitled to do. But hey, there's a lot of laces there. You can oh, easily slip yeah. that shoe on yeah, yeah. off and on. I wore my Old Schools as well. Mm -hmm. But I wore my Velcro. My Velcro Old Schools. And those came off easily. LA and gear? I that, that, I think that is an unspoken rule that, hey, if you're going to travel. Yeah. Don't wear shoes that are hard to take off. Because you're going to piss off. Now, I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that because the check-in process now for 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 uh, travel in terms of flying is already very difficult as it is, right? Mm -hmm. The people are telling you to come in two, three hours ahead of time, you're flying international, just go through the check-in process. If you know you're flying, and, and I guess this is one of the spoken rules, like, do you have to be looking that good to fly? No, you can you look be like trash. Yeah, like, like, you like you don't smell like trash. That is, I will also agree with that, which is a, rare, a few rare things we agree on. If you know you're, rules. yeah, if you know you're traveling, like please just just know that the checking yeah. process alone is a strenuous and arduous sure, process for, sure, for, for sure. a lot of people. They don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. They don't like. If we're waiting in line for like fifty minutes to just get through like the the, the, the body scanner, mm -hmm. don't make it fifty four minutes for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That makes like, sense. like, don't make fifty four minutes because like it's not necessary. Yeah. I, Unless you're coming from a place where like you already dressed up really nicely, yeah, yeah. you left okay. from, from a from a ball or from yeah, some, yeah. some like party, and you came straight to the airport. For sure, I get it. Mm -hmm. Not that I would know, but like if, if that's the case, like I I understand, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you're coming from like the the hotel or the house, 
and you're dressing up in these like this this outfit where like yeah. you know Gucci, you're gonna, you're gonna everything. take shit off yeah and taking your, that shit off is gonna take a long time you got your doc money don't worry yeah, yeah. or just be aware so yeah. I, there's a few things to factor in so like i said because we travel a lot i kind of have my system down when when we're going somewhere so a few weeks ago we went to houston and because it's such a short flight relative to going to like japan which we did and it was like 13 hours i'm gonna dress hella comfortable for that like i know i'm gonna basically be sleeping on the plane if i'm going somewhere that's like five hours maybe six or under and i know when i get there i'm gonna hop off and hit the streets right away i'll dress like i'm gonna be going out you know what i mean like just with my boots and everything whatever my tims my jacket but when i'm in line and i'm getting close I'll yeah, start untying you're my untying shit, shit you're and I'll start loose. I already right. take my belt off, yeah. and I th- I just think it's a level of awareness, and that kind of goes just being to, mindful. Man. Yeah, you've already yeah, simulated yeah. where your laptop is and how to get it. Yeah, out. Yeah, I don't even carry my laptop anymore because that shit's a pain. Yeah. But my basically my unspoken rule is, um, just be be highly aware and observant. Kind of bringing it back to the scooter thing a little bit. If you're gonna be doing something like that, just be aware of what the rules are that exist as much as you can. And try to operate within that. So uh, for about two and a half years, I was going to grad school in San Francisco and also teaching high school in San Francisco. And I was taking public transit there every single day from Hayward. So it was like 45 minute commute on, on the subway in the Bay Area, basically. And because I would get off on Powell Street, which is downtown San Francisco, San Francisco being like one of the top destinations in the world that people visit, you can tell automatically when somebody is, you know, there for the weekend from Europe, from Asia, wherever. I don't have any problems with that, but they would, because you have to take the train in to get there um, from the airport, people would always become, basically people would always have their bags and they would hella be in the way. And it's pretty much an unspoken rule in any major metropolis that if you're in a subway or any packed area, you either stand to the right or you stand to the left, depending on which country you're in, and you leave a lane open for people to move. So basically, yeah, in in the U.S., if you're going up an escalator in New York City, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Chicago, all cities I've been to doesn't matter. You move to the you, right. You move to the right you and, the and you let people rush, that are in a rush go, to the, left. go yeah. to the left. But a lot of people that were coming here, I'm not going to lie, they seem to typically be from Asian countries from what I noticed. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> they would they would like clog it and they would stand in packs of like five. And I'm, I'm, I'm out here like going from work to school and I'm, I'm, I'm in a rush. I mean, that's just kind of the American lifestyle. And it was kind of like, fucking be aware. Like, you're the only two people standing on the left side. Do you, do you not notice? Like, I, I'm it's pretty sure. It's awareness of where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure you could throw me in fucking Nairobi in Africa. And I'm going to try my best to read the yeah. situation and be like, oh, people aren't standing to the right. They're standing in the middle here. I'll stand in the middle. And I'm going to fucking try to fit in so that people can be efficient. Yeah. Um, and just last quick story with this. One time we were in fucking Tokyo, last year actually, and it was hella funny because they're so fucking efficient there. It's mine. It's like crazy. Tokyo, by the way, is the biggest city in the world, bigger than New York, Mexico City, anywhere. It's fucking packed with human beings, and they move so efficiently, and it's it's beautiful. And I remember me and Bree were walking, and we saw this one group, like five people walking, like noticeably slow as fuck, and I was like. They looked like they no. didn't belong there. And as, as we got closer, no. one of them had a shirt that said, uh, Viva Mexico, putos. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, they're Mexican like us. 
So they were just casually strolling. And we've been to Mexico too, and the people just move like fucking slots. Yeah. And I basically went up to them and I was like, hey, viva Mexico, cabrones, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah. And they were just totally fucking up the this beautifully orchestrated. But they're oblivious system. though, right? But they were oblivious. Yeah. But because they're Mexican too, they I think they know they're oblivious and they're just there's embrace a, it. Yeah. It's I not think, like a pure oblivious. But there's a cultural aspect to like how that works, right? I don't even think it's cultural. I think it's also just like I think there, I've read a study where they talked about how cities move differently. And different cities you go to have a different pace. Exactly. Analytic stuff. Analytics, man. This is just intelligence. This is just growth <laughs> and progress and growing my mind. Uh, going to, growing going, going to an unspoken rule on the plane, and I want to get you guys' opinion on this. I myself am an aisle seater. Say beautifully is a window seater. Same that's where we work out perfectly. Yeah. But I'm okay with sitting in the middle. And my thing with the person sitting in the middle is that person owns those armrests. I think that's fair, but most people don't seem to observe that rule, in my experience. So, so, so you're both saying like that's okay for the guy in the middle to be like at least to have one of them. I mean, right? Because like you get the windows and you get the aisles. You already have place to lean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have a guaranteed armrest. That's fair. Leave some for us. That's fair. Just I never thought about it that way. I always thought the guy in the middle was like, oh, sucks for you, bro. Like, hey. I mean, that's what most get the people think. Yeah, that is. But then, like, with my empathy and my care for people. because I'm the same way, dude. I'm the same. I'm like, hey. We're tender souls over here. That sucks for you to be in the middle. <laughs> We're going to be on this flight together. You're yeah, yeah. Be I'll at least leave you one, bro. Here's a bone. Here's a bone. Chew on it. Here's a bone. For seven hours. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. I guess my spoken rule before we move on is... And I, and, and I I don't travel as much as Jerome and uh, Alan do. Um, I'm a homebody, so I don't really have these same kind of ex- like 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 experiences in traveling. Didn't, didn't you go from West Oakland to East Oakland the other day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How was that? How was the 880? <laughs> Y'all playing. Um, but but here's one thing about travel that I've got a chance to experience through another perspective, right? Uh, we talked about this kind of off off uh, recording uh, about this one guy on YouTube, uh, the white guy, YouTube. Logan Paul. Logan Paul, who went to Japan and went to the Suicide Forest, which is a well documented location for um, for those um, people in Japan who have been struggling, who commit suicide away from their families Peacefully. in a private place, peacefully, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy, who those who haven't followed it, uh, the story, like this Logan Paul character, this this white YouTuber who's very well known. Went to Japan, traveled out there to do a vlog. He's a vlogger, so he went to the Suicide Forest to vlog, and then he came across a body, an actual dead body hanging from a tree, sure. and he and he vlogged it, right? And I, I believe like he may I don't know what occurred and what he said, but the fact that he filmed it and actually posted it on YouTube mm-hmm. was almost like mm-hmm. what, what kind of clicks? What, what, lack what, of common sense, what lack click, of empathy. Yeah, what clickbait are whatever. you trying to get right now? Right, because I was clickbaiting yeah. for sure. Because yeah. I think the thumbnail that he had for the video was that. Yeah, it was like yeah. clickbait for sure. And then like the backlash he got, he came back with like, "Oh yeah, you know, like I didn't mean any disrespect because you know when I went to Japan, I just, I meant to rep- like to respect the culture, to experience like and, and be immersed in the culture and the Japanese culture and the people." And then the backlash that came back from that was there were a bunch of people who came out and watched that vlog again and took snippets from his vlog of how he was. Antagonizing people in 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 the in the, in the city he was in. Oh, no, okay, in the city. Okay. Like he he wore a kimono. He ran around the city Jesus like Christ. loud as hell. He stood in the middle of traffic, yeah, yeah. Like, which like, is like, very like, un-Japanese. In my experience, they're very like calm, yeah. very proper, very yeah. polite. I have I have an aunt in Japan 
um, and and it's completely unlike that, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking about how he was trying yeah, to yeah. he was trying to respect the culture, for sure, for sure. but he went against everything Johnny Cool yeah, stood yeah. for, right? You. Like he yeah. was being loud, obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, being confrontational. He wore the garb of of, of Japanese folks and in a very insulting mm-hmm. way. He ran around, started like mocking like Japanese people, right? And like from me, it, <laughs> oh white guy, right, right. <laughs> so so it ties it back to like everything we've talked about in the first two podcasts and now this third podcast is like when you go to a different country pay respect do the homework do your homework (laughs) and pay respect for what's already there I want to say that even if he he probably might even done his homework but he just gave a fuck he's just a piece of shit dude yeah straight up sounds like it hey man like anybody who's gonna say I'm gonna go to a place where there might be someone who took their life and tried to do it in peace and and record it and put it over on the web. That's just like so some millions and millions of my fans just so they can see it. That guy's a piece of shit. The fact that he still has fans now is, is baffling to me. But hey, that's another story. But hey, that, that's my thing. Is like if you're going to a a foreign location for what you know, again, like Alan said, do your homework and be, be respectful for what's already there. Right. Right. Like yeah. like like I did. Like you might not even know what you're walking into, but like Alan said. You can, you can drop him in anywhere. He'll probably be able to... I'll try to. He'll like, try read, to be aware of his... environment. Right. And, like, he'll try to be aware are. of his environment. Like, once you land in a certain location, you don't have to do your research all the way through, yeah, but yeah. you can at least, like, For sure. observe yeah, yeah. and notice certain things that are acceptable and not yeah. acceptable. So when most people in Japan who are walking around kind of minding their own business, and there's one big old white dude running sure, around sure. screaming and yelling, yeah, yeah. that's not fucking normal. Yeah. And I, I want to I wanna take this into a... a which will probably take us into another segment. But I know I get pegged as a tech boy a lot, understandably. You identify as that. <laughs> but I also think that this situation with uh, Logan Paul is something that is the evil side of tech, which is that you don't have to blog everything. Yeah. You don't have to record everything and post everything. And you get fake Christmas trees in the process. You get fake Christmas trees in the process. Hey, because even that in its sense is disrespectful and kind of like, Taking it out of context, I yeah, want to bring sure. up a story that one of my coworkers brought up to me. Um, she saw a story about a, a parent who reprimanded and taught taught their uh, kid a lesson who was being a bully to another kid uh, by making their kid walk uh, to school in like freezing temperature. Now there was an uproar of like, is this is this child endangerment? Is this child blah 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 blah? I was like, no, this is fine. I mean, the kid was fully clothed. Prepared for this, they just really had to do the walk. Was this the one where like the the, the parent was actually driving next to the kid? Yeah, record- yeah, yeah, yeah. My problem with it was that the parent recorded it, right? I agree. And then posted it. I agree. You don't have to post this. You can yeah. you can totally put your kids in punishment. That's like shaming at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. then this is the whole Logan Paul thing. It's it's like you're shaming the people who who yeah, tried yeah. to peacefully commit suicide, and you're shaming this this culture that is established <laughs> there. Um, not to say suicide's like okay in any culture it's just but for Japanese folks out there people out there it's a different culture it's a different culture and and I had a friend who taught in Japan for three two two years and he said that it became it was such he he was so shocked the first time he experienced like a suicide on the trains Uh, but as he was there for you know a long period of time he realized that like suicides are so normal yeah I mean statistically speaking it's much higher rate yeah. in Japan than in the, other places like Mexico or Ecuador or right wherever. right that, it was so it's such a norm in Japan where like when the trains stop because of like a, a person who committed suicide on the train for those people native to Japan they, mm-hmm. they were more annoyed by that fact that they were ruining their day in, like of work like oh I'm late to work again today because of this person yeah for sure it's so, like desensitization we're not trying to glamorize suicide by any means but like in Japan like Jerome was saying like that is actually a strange norm for people who live there yeah 
And I want to take it back to the using, you know, technology and recording your experiences and being in this virtual world uh, as opposed to being the actual experience yeah, of, of being that. aware. Yeah. I want to take this to a story that you told me, which is that you were recently walking around in Oakland and you saw someone vlogging. Oh, God. Which that was a week. Also last week. Ties into I text both you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I text both you guys. Into another topic. The next topic we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Nat Geo recently released National Geographic top. I think top fifty places to visit uh, in twenty nineteen. Top twenty five, I think. Top twenty five for, for Oakland at least. And Oakland, no, top twenty five in like in the in the world. In the yeah. world. And yeah. Oakland was I think twenty one. It was top twenty five. Exciting yeah, yeah. places to visit. Culturally, right? It was, it was culturally. So they, they they broke it down based on like certain standards and like certain requirements and like. And you were talking about this. Uh, tell, tell the story of this person. No, so I was going to the gym, and again, this is the same gym that Alan, Jerome, and I all frequent, um, and we met at essentially. And uh, I was going to the gym on a Saturday morning, and this is early. This is probably like nine a.m. something like that on Saturday. Um, I'm not saying nine's early by any means, but uh, this scumbag gets to go to work but, uh, later in the but, day. But so. uh, but for Saturdays, like most, I, I think nine a.m. is, is kind of early. So I was going to the gym, and uh, I was driving literally a block away from the gym, and I see this this white woman <laughs> with like the, uh, the what's that thing called the, the, the uh, selfie stick. Selfie, selfie stick. Sorry, selfie stick. Um, and and the only time I've ever seen a selfie stick pointed at the person who is like recording is like vloggers, right? Because they yeah. hold that shit out and like they vlog themselves talking to it. And I've never seen anyone in Oakland in my entire life hold out a selfie stick in Oakland and record themselves. And she was walking down uh, Grand, right? Uh, down the street from like Grand, uh, Grand Lake Theater. And she was just like vlogging. Wait, can, and, you, and can you describe her a little bit? Like what, what was she, did she like... Young, old, hipster, white, black, Chinese. No, like. she was she was white, and I would if there's a if there's a label I want to put her as, I'd probably say hipster. I'm just trying to get an image. No, no, no. Of this person. So, so imagine what Logan Paul is, oh, but God. a female version of it. Oh God! Right, like like just one who w- wanted to, to to say, hey guys, this is this is this is this is. This is Stephanie coming from downtown Oakland. Look yeah, at all the mix of the browns and the blacks yeah. <laughs> and, and the Asians. It, for me, it was just like the, the image. Like, like yeah, if yeah. you freeze frame that image for me, for sure, I'm like, what have we become as mm-hmm. a city? When I, yeah, yeah. I and I'm not saying you can't vlog in Oakland. By no means I'm saying that people vlog in Oakland all the time. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it was just like, what are you really trying to broadcast in that area? Yeah. Because like that yeah, area yeah. alone for sure. brings up a different. Like, like for me, it brings up a different emotion for me because, like, you're, if you're vlogging about, oh, I'm walking around Grand Lake and Lakeshore, it's such an amazing place to be. That location in itself used to be a very different place. So you're coming in in a time where it's like it, it's hot, popping. It's a place. It's a place where you yeah. want to visit. Image wise, right? it looks good. Jerry lives there, right? But, <laughs> but for me, and, and again, like I understand that change happens and it sometimes happens for the good, but you're assuming that. That wasn't already occurring before you got there. Mm. So you're vlogging about the times when it's at its, at, at its prime. So I look at that. I looked at it as like she's vlogging about Grand Lake Lakeshore at its peak right now. At least as far as what we rec- realize it as, right? Recognize it as. And I'm like, you could have came here five, six, seven, eight years ago before mm-hmm. this boom, and you would have been able to experience the same. She's thing. probably an Iowa. You could experience the same thing eight years ago before this article came out. Yeah. But you chose, and, and not to say she came here because of the article. I'm just, yeah, I just yeah. it just ties. It'll into bring like, in more people like that. Right. Exactly. I, I think what 
what weirds me out the most about this Nat Geo rigging Oakland's like cultural place to visit is that you don't really experience these the culture. And let me take you to the story first. Um, my coworkers are mainly living in Penins- the peninsula and uh, in San Francisco, and they know me as a guy who but... lives in Oakland and, and likes Oakland and represents Oakland and wears his Oakland shirt. They're scared of you, Jerome? <laughs> Slightly. I, wear, I have tattoos and whatnot. Who's scary? But anyways, um, when they ask me, "Oh, what? Why should we visit Oakland?" I tell them, "You shouldn't. You should live in Oakland. You should. You should experience Oakland. You should. You should." The only reason why Oakland is something I think that is special and different from any other city in the East Bay and the Bay Area in general is that there's that culture, which is yeah. what Nat Geo is talking about. Where you have there's culture uh, there, but you can't experience the culture of Oakland yeah. just by visiting it. Uh, I just want to uh, say, anybody who ever asks why should I visit this place, you better really fucking. If you ever shut me, the fuck up, you better really fucking. I never like. Yeah. Again, like if I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm fucking going because I want to, not because. Hey, I heard I this heard place. About this, yeah. Why should I? Can you I heard convince me? Really yeah. good restaurant. Yeah, like, that's my point. It's not the tourist destination. If you if you said why should I visit San Francisco, I could come up with several reasons why, and it's because it's tourism. But even then, to me, that, that question reveals that that person is wants to go for the wrong reason. Exactly. When I go somewhere, it's because there's something I want to discover, and I don't give a fuck what somebody says. Like, I want to go see this place. I like when we go somewhere. I'm like, hey. Um, fucking New Orleans seems hella cool. Like, I, I want to go there. There's something attracting me. I'm going to go. I've never asked somebody, like, can I have, is, can you give me three reasons why I should visit New Orleans? You know what I mean? But anyways, I'm just saying from those people that, to me, that question already reveals that they want some sort of, like, social status yeah. or social acceptance that yeah. they're probably going to post and, about. And again, to, to that point, it's like, for me, like, I've always, like, it's never about, you can't come here. If you're not even born racer, right? Like it's not about that. For for me, a lot of the time is like when I, I see these articles about Oakland being so vibrant and and so so uh, culturally uh, diverse. It's it's like whoa, we've been this way for a long time. You're just recognizing it now because of what's happening in the area with tech, with the warrior, well, whatever it is, right? Scooters. We, we've we've been this we've been this way though. And that's why we're finding it insulting as natives. Is like we've been diverse. We've had this culture. We've had a big food scene for a long time. Mm-hmm. So for you telling me that culture in 2019 is the reason why? Are you fucking? Are, are you are you fucking serious? Or I, I can't. I, I don't know if you're being serious. Or you're joking right that's now. That's what I don't bothers understand. me though. Is that they're saying this like, oh, visit it. When I visit a place, it's because I I'm sure I'm not going to be there permanently. Yeah. And it's almost like for them to say visit Oakland to be part of the culture. How can you really experience the pure culture of what Oakland provides you if you're there for one night or, or any one any day? place? To be honest, I mean, yeah, you could part. probably go somewhere and you go somewhere safe because you saw it in your Yelp review, yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, you're gonna go eat somewhere where it's like the food's kind of bland, but hey, it has some Fusion well, aspects saying. to it. It's like, what's so, your purpose for visiting a place? Exactly. Yeah. Like, you can only really experience the true culture in Oakland if you're in it. There's no way else to experience it. You're That's not really... for any city, too, is what yeah, I'm saying. Dude. Yeah. It's like you can go, you go to the city and fucking go to Fisherman's Wharf for a day or two, but if you're not going to the different neighborhoods, going to art galleries, going to record stores, wherever the fuck, like, just going to the grocery store and, like, just talking to people, doesn't matter. Like, any city, you'll, you won't touch the core of it. And let me interject before he finishes. Like, and Alan is true to his word. He's like, Alan, anywhere he goes, and, and Al- Jerome and I have been with Alan when we hang out all the time. 
Alan will ask for a story <laughs> of everyone he asks. <laughs> to, he to my wife's will, chagrin, like, like she like, fucking hates it. Alan actually goes like wherever we go, it's a bar, a club, some, some poetry reading. Like whoever he encounters, he asks for the story. But that's because, um, just personally speaking, like I, I, I'm genuinely like interested in people. I, I write too, so part I like to learn about like what is this place, what makes it different, who are you, like. But part of it is because I, I like art and I like telling stories, so it helps. It, it inspires me to hear. People talk. You remember that one time that we went to fucking the Starline Lounge? Oh, yeah. We snuck out with the beer and gave right. it to some dude. And we were like, we started smoking with some random people on the street. Right. Yeah. And it was just like. And then like, Jerome pee in the corner of Chevron. Yeah. yeah. But okay. that was, night, I feel yeah. like we met so many people. I was like, you know, pee right here when everyone's walking by. Like, come on, man. It was like, it was like an organic. But to me, open. that's like experiencing a place where you're just. It wasn't like I'm going here to try to, to find something that somebody posted. But it's like, let's go out. Let's let's see who we talk to. Let's let's. Random people on the corner, random people literally basically in fucking alleyways. Like, and it's like they're our friends for 20 minutes and then we're going on to the next place. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot, the world would be a lot more better if, if we could just ask other people their stories and talk to them about their stories and be sure. happy about learning their story as sure. opposed to trying to be the main actor in everything. Yeah. And I think that is the whole problem with this new generation and I'm, I think this is true for all generations but for now especially is that With social media it's especially we want to be the star we yeah. want to be the yeah, Instagram yeah. star the next YouTube it's all about ourselves famous and person. how good we look yeah, yeah. but then you have guys the unrealistic like aspect Alan, of social media these unspoken people like Alan <laughs> Clay who, Thompson who hey. who hey look at it he's not the main actor in his story but you know what he's the director of your life and he's Ooh. reading your Ooh. story Ooh. getting and that, that's ultimately if you are a grown person if you're mature enough mm -hmm. and if you want to take something about my word from a, a social psychologist social become the director of, of yeah. everyone's story that's because true. That's that point. making other people feel mm -hmm. like you like them is probably the best way to to meet people and to enjoy people and enjoy people's lives as opposed to trying to make people like you mm. Ooh, well okay. said, Ron. Okay. I don't. I can't yeah. say anything after that. <laughs> nah. So, so before we all and summarize our unspoken rules in this podcast and end it, my big thing is this, right? So when I was when I'm when I was growing up in Oakland and then got a chance to work with the kids in Oakland, the one saying that me and my mentor who I worked with and still friends to me to this day said, "We got to find a way to get these kids out of Oakland." That was like legitimately yeah. a thing we talked about was getting yeah. these kids out of I Oakland for legitimate reasons, for the poverty, the crime, the violence, mm -hmm. right? And now fast forward to where we are now where people want to kind of come yeah, into Oakland definitely. and do all these things. It's like that shift, mm -hmm. it's a huge shift in terms of the spectrum. Yep. Right. When parents and families are trying to get their kids out of Oakland and to a point where like we're in a place where you want to come here just for like the culture, for those who have been here, it's it's almost like it's insulting because we've experienced this struggle and this 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 strife where it's it's not easy to see what we had to deal with to, to get to this point in terms mm -hmm. of a, a flower blossoming, and for us not to to be, to, to be able to bear the fruits of this this, this work, it's hard, right? Yeah. So so again, sure. like like the old saying for me and 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 the people I worked with was getting kids out of Oakland. Now kids want to come into Oakland. People want to mm -hmm. come into Oakland. So it's like. It, it is insulting when you want to claim Oakland that way. So um, I will try to tie this back down to the unspoken rule of traveling. Uh, <laughs> and I think I've said this every single time we've had this podcast is just 
you do know, homework. Do your homework. <laughs> do your pay, homework. Pay homage. Pay respects to the history that's been there. Period. Well, of course, the teacher would tell you to do your homework. Yeah. Right? Yep. Although I try to tell my kids, if you do your work in class and you do well, you probably won't have to do homework. Hey, man. But some of them are still teenagers, so they fuck around and then they have homework. Oh, uh, before he goes any further, um, just just a quick rewind. Alan has a kid that he works with. Who, oh uh, he, yeah, you he, want me to shout him out? Yeah, Jay Walt. Jay, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so Alan showed me a uh, th- there is a, a YouTube channel. Yeah, a Bay Area based YouTube channel. It's called Fizzler on the Roof. If yeah. you're from the Bay and you like hip hop, it's like you know what I'm talking about. How do you spell that? Fizzler. T H I Z Z L E R. I want everybody else. I couldn't, I couldn't tell if he actually was serious. Kind of. But anyway, it's like a cipher, right? Where like you go around and like have to put a freestyle and like. His kids spit a freestyle, and mm-hmm. I was I was I was rocking with it because yeah. I was like, it went back to my point of like he paid homage just because a sixteen year old kid in twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. going into twenty nineteen, yep. and he's still paying respects to guys like Mr. Fab, Mac Dre, E Forty, Too the Short, Jacka. the Jacka, Dutta like, Man, the, these guys who who might have been way past like oh yeah, like, dude, that's that's yeah, like yeah. us talking about like something from the seventies basically. You know he, what I mean? Like that kid's... But he paid homage. So shout out to Alan and what he's doing for his kids because you know cool. like they're, they're listening it. because yeah, you know yeah. like this kid actually went to Alan and said, "Hey, Mr. Cesaro, can you list? Can, can you do you know about this 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 yeah, YouTube yeah. channel?" He's like, "Of course, so, man. How dare you disrespect me hey, like man, that?" Sh- shout out to the real ones out there. Yep, same to you fellows. Always uh, fucking good time talking and just hearing what your thoughts are. Jerome, uh, the the antagonist, always surprising me with uh, some like heartfelt, the heartfelt, heartfelt, and and then controversial comments (laughs) (laughs) about uh, Republican conservative. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Okay, okay. (laughs) No, I'm sorry with you guys, but um, so we're wrapping up here, everybody. Thank if you made it this far, you get a gold star. (laughs) Wow, Um, this is our shortest one. Two gold stars. This is our shortest one. Yeah, that's true, man. Well, we're we're gonna head off into the holiday sunset. Uh, We're all going off on our own ways. This is Alan signing off. Jerry on the peninsula, Jerome in Oakland, and uh, Andrew, the Oakland native. Have a happy holidays, you scumbags.